So to wrap up uh, the year um, of Pigeon Hour, the podcast, uh, I put together some clips from each episode um, to sort of make like a best of compilation. Uh, and this was inspired by 80,000 Hours um, uh, podcast uh, that did justice with their episodes. Um, and I thought it was, yeah, like uh, pretty cool and, and not like, you know, tractable enough. Uh, another thing to note um, is that the, the clips I chose like range in, in length a lot. Um, and that like 100% seriously does not represent like uh, the quality or like amount of interesting content in the episode. It was just like sometimes there was like a natural place to like break the episode into like uh, like a five minute chunk. Um, and other times like it wouldn't have made sense to like take a five minute chunk out of like what really needed to be a 20 minute chunk. Um, and I'm, I promise, I promise I'm not just saying that. <laughs> uh, so without further ado, please enjoy. In this first segment, uh, Laura Duffy and I discuss the significance and interpretation of Aristotle's philosophical works in relation to modern ethics and virtue theory. Um, philosophy probably would have majored in philosophy um, if it was if signaling wasn't an issue. Sure. Um, actually, maybe I'm not sure if that's true. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> I didn't want to do the old stuff though, so like I'm actually what? not sure. But if I could, like that, like Aristotle, it's like it's all wrong. It's all. <laughs> Didn't you say you got you got a lot of Nico, you got a lot out of Nicomachean or however however you pronounce yeah, that it's, Nicomachean it's a ethics? Good guide to how you should live your life. It's Honestly, a, no, it's or not. think about ethics as applied to your life, because um, we can't be perfect utilitarians. There's no way to be that. But. You, Ben, he wasn't even responding to utilitarianism. This is like, no, 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 I'm not like it was. A, I'm sure it was like a, like it was a good work given the time. But like, there's like no other discipline in which we care so people care so much about like what people thought two thousand years ago. Because like the not I think the justified presumption is that things have iterated and improved since then. And I think that's true. It's like not just a presumption are still rather the same and what our needs are for living amongst each other in political society are kind of the same i think our america's founding is very uh influenced by what people thought 2000 years ago i mean yeah descriptively that's like probably true but like i don't know like um like I, I get it. it seems like all like all the like the whole like body of like philosophers have like they've already done the work of like compressing the good stuff like the entire academy since like 1400 or whatever has like compressed the good stuff and like gotten rid of the bad stuff not in like a high fidelity way but in, like a better than chance way and so like the stuff that remains like if you just like take like the state of i don't know uh if you like read like the oxford handbook of like whatever it is like ethics or something um like the takeaways you're going to get from that are just like better than the takeaways you're going to get from like a summary of the state of the knowledge, like in any prior year, at least like, unless something weird happened. And like, I don't know. Does that, I, I don't know if that makes sense. I think that, I think we're talking about two different things though. Okay. Like in terms of like knowledge about logic or something or I don't know, argumentation I mean, about trying to derive the correct 
moral theory or something versus how should we think about our own lives that yeah i think hasn't i don't see any reason as to why the framework of virtue theory is incorrect and just because it's old there's many virtue theorists now who are like oh yeah they were really onto something and we need to adapt it for the times in which we live and the kind of societies we live in now and but it's still like there was a huge kernel of truth in at least the way of thinking that aristotle put forth in terms of balancing the different virtues that you care about um and trying to find i think this is true right like take one virtue of his like humor you don't want to be on one extreme where you're just basically a meme your entire life everybody thinks you're funny but that's just not very serious you're not but you don't want to be a bore and so you want to find somewhere in the middle where it's like you have a good sense of humor but you're neither you can still function and be respected by other people yeah, no, I, I, once again, I agree. Well, I don't agree with everything. I agree with a lot of what you just said. Um, uh, so the couple, I think there was like two main, like points of either confusion or disagreement. And like the first one, no, I, um, is that like, I definitely think, no, Aristotle shouldn't be discounted, like, because, um, or like his ideas or virtue ethics or anything like that shouldn't be discounted, like, because they were like, um, like the like canonical texts or something were like written a long time ago. Um, uh, I guess it's just, like, a presumption that, um, or, like, I have, a like, a pretty strong presumption that, like, conditional on them being good, um, they would also be written about today. And so, like, you don't actually need to go back to the founding texts. And then, like, in fact, you probably shouldn't, um, because, like, the good stuff will be, like, explained better and, like, not in, like, weird, like, weird terms that are, like, the terms are, like, used differently and they're, like, translations from, like, Aramaic or whatever. It's probably not Aramaic. It's probably something else. Um, <laughs> uh... Um, and, uh, yeah. I'm not sure I agree with this because, uh, we have certain assumptions about what words like purpose mean now that we're probably a bit richer in the old conception of them, um, like telos or happiness, right? eudaimonia is much better concept and to read the original text and see how those different concepts work together is actually quite enriching compared to how do people use these words now and it would take like i don't know i think there just is a lot of value of looking at how these were originally conceived because popularizers of the works now or people who are seriously doing philosophy using these concepts like you just don't have the background knowledge if you're if you you know that's necessary to understand them fully if you don't read the canonical text yeah I think that would be true if you were a native speaker. Do you know Greek? If you know Greek, this is, like, dumb, because then you're just right. I did take a quarter of it. Oh, God. Oh, my God. 
I don't know if that counts, but that's like that's like <laughs> counts more. That's like more than anybody should 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 ever take. No, I'm just kidding. That, that that's that's very cool. Um, no, because uh, like I was gonna say, like it, like if you're a native speaker, um, of Greek and you like have the connotations of like the word, <laughs> you like eudaimonia, and you were like living in the time of Aristotle, I would say like yeah, that's true. Actually, that's a lot of like nuance, like connotation, and like context that like definitely gets like lost with translation. But like once you take the jump of like reading English translations of the texts, like. You may as well, like, um, not you may as well, but like, uh, there's nothing like super special. Like, you're not getting any privileged knowledge from like saying the word eudaimonia, um, as opposed to like just saying some other term as like a referent to that concept or something. Like, you don't, you're like absorbing the connotation and the context like via English, like via the, um, like the, I guess like the, via the mind of like literally like the translators who have like. And yeah. Well, see, I Although, yeah. tried to learn virtue theory by any other route than reading Aristotle. And oh, God. I took a course specifically on Plato and Aristotle. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. So I, I'm not laughing at you. I'm just like, it's like the, op- like the opposite type of philosophy person. But that, that's going. fair. Um, uh, but she had us read his physics before we read Nicomachean. See, he was wrong about all that stuff. No, but it made you it made <laughs> me understand what he meant by his teleology theory so much better. And like okay. in a way that I could not get if I was reading some modern thing. I don't know. Like, I feel like you probably could. Oh, wait, no, sorry. That's not true. I, I don't think you could get like what Aristotle the man truly believed as well via a modern text. But like, is that what you, depends like if you're, if you're trying to be a scholar of Aristotle, like maybe that's important. If you're trying to like find the best or slash truest ethics and like learn the lessons of like how to live, that's like a different type of task. That's like, you don't want to, like, I don't think Aristotle the man is like, should be all that privileged in that. I, I don't Quest. know. I mean, like, if all of the modern people who are talking about virtue theory are basically reciting Aristotle, then I don't see the difference. Oh, yeah. 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 Like, like I, I guess fair enough. And then I would say, like, oh, well, they should probably, like, start, like, I mean, is that is that, in fact, like, the state of the things in virtue theory? I, like, don't even know. I, I don't know. Uh, next, uh, Arjun Panixeri and I explore the effectiveness of reading books um, in retaining and incorporating knowledge, discussing the value of long-form content and the impact of great literary works on understanding and shaping personal worldviews. Hmm. Oh, you were in the, the book chat, the, the book rant group chat, right? Uh, yeah, I think I might have just not read any of it. So, so do you want to fill me in on what I should have read? Um, yeah, yeah. It's... um group chat of a bunch of people where we were arguing about a bunch of claims related to books one of them is that like most people don't remember pretty much anything from books that they read right they read a book and then like a few months later if you ask them about it they'll just say one page's worth of information or maybe like a few paragraphs um the other is that like if you just Hmm, what is it exactly? It's that if you read um, a lot of books, it could be that you just um, 
incorporate the information that's important into your existing models and then just forget the information so it's actually fine. Isn't this what you wrote in your blog post or whatever? I think that's why oh, I added you um, to that. Oh, thank you. No, sorry. I'm sorry. I, I'm such a bad uh, a group chat participant. Um, uh, Yeah. Kind, uh, honestly, I wrote that a while ago. I don't fully remember exactly what it says, but like one, um, at least one of the things that it said was, uh, and that I still like basically stand by, um, is that uh, it's basically just like it's it's increasing the salience of like a set of ideas more so than just tr like filling your brain with more facts. So like, um, uh, and I think this is it's probably true, like insofar as like the facts support like a set of like common themes or, or ideas that are like kind of like the like the like the core, um, like the intellectual core of it. Uh, it would be like really hard. I mean, like, okay, so this is not a book, but like, I've, okay, I, I, I've like talked about how much I love an 80,000 hours podcast. Um, and like, I've listened to, okay, I don't think every episode, but like at least a hundred of the episodes and like, no, you're just like, not going to like, definitely I've forgotten most of the actual, like almost all of the actual, like propositional pieces of information said, but like, you're just like, not going to convince me that like, uh, like I don't, that it's like completely, um, uh, like not affecting like my like either model of the world or like stuff that I know or whatever. Um, I mean, like there are facts that I could list, I think. Yeah, uh, maybe I should try, but um, uh, sure. Yeah. Um, so wait, so what's your take on, on book slash like other long form? Oh, I don't know. I'm still quite confused. Or I think the impetus for the group chats creation was actually Hanania's post where he wrote the case oh, against yeah. most books or most was in parentheses or something. I mean, there's a lot of like things going on in that post also, but uh, I, I guess he like, yeah. just goes off against a bunch of different categories of books that are sort of not closely related. Like he goes off against great. I mean, this is not the exact take he gives, but it's something like, you know, the books that are considered great are considered great literature for some sort of contingent reason, not because they're like the best at getting you information that you want. Oh, um, for sure. Oh, but yeah, like, it's like another topic, but like, I'm all, I'm like anti great books. In fact, I'm anti like great usually just means like old and famous. So like, insofar as that's what we mean by great. Yes, I'm like, I think this is just like a bad thing. Or like, I don't know, like Aristotle's like basically wrong about everything and, and stuff like that. Um, right? Yeah, wait, we could, we could return to this. I guess this could also be divided into its component categories. Uh, he spends more time, though, I think, uh, attacking a certain kind of like nonfiction book that he describes as the kind of book that somebody pitches to a publisher and basically expands like a single essay's worth of content into with a bunch of anecdotes and stuff. And he's like, most of these books are just not very useful to read. I guess I agree with that. Um, yeah. Is there I'm... one that comes to mind as like an example? So we're like, or, or like, uh, I mean, I think of Malcolm Gladwell as like the kind of, I haven't actually read any of his stuff in a while, but I did a, like a while. I, I think when I like started reading nonfiction or like with like any sort of intent, like he, I like was like, I've read a bunch of his stuff or whatever. And like vaguely remember that, like, <laughs> this is basically what he, what he would, what he did. Um, like for better or worse. I mean, you know, um, um, yeah, I guess so. But he's almost like trying to do it on purpose. This is the experience that you're getting by reading a Malcolm Gladwell book. It's like him just, it's like Tala Bryce, just him just ranting. Um, I'm thinking, of, I guess, of books that are about something. So, like, if you have a book that's about, uh, you know, negotiation or something, it'll be filled with a bunch of anecdotes that are of, like, dubious usefulness. Or, you know, if you get a book that's just about some sort of topic, uh, there'll be 
historical trivia that's pretty relevant. Maybe I can think of an example. Yeah, I mean, so like the last thing I tried to read or slash maybe I am, but like haven't in a couple of weeks or whatever is like the Derek Parfit biography. And part of this is like motivated right. because like I don't even like biographies in general for what for like some reason. I don't know. Um, uh, but like, I don't know. He's like an important guy. I, like, I was like some of the anecdotes that I heard were like shockingly like close to home for me or like not close to home, but like close to my brain or something. So I was like, OK, maybe I'll like see if like this guy's like the smarter version of Aaron Burton. And it's like not totally true, but um. Uh, okay. but yeah, I remember, yeah. sure. Wait, I, I remember I haven't read the book, um, but I, I saw tweet threads about it as one does. And I saw things that are like obviously false, right? It's the claims that he read like a certain number of pages while brushing his teeth. That's like anatomically impossible or whatever. I mean, do you, do you, did you get to that part or I assumed it's early no, like, like I, I also saw that, like that tweet, right? Thread. And this is not something that I do. Um, <laughs> uh, but, um, I don't, wait, I don't know if it's anatomically impossible. Like, Yes, I mean, I mean, like it takes like a little bit of effort to figure out how to do that. I guess I like don't think that's like a necessarily false or whatever. But like this is, yeah, probably not the most important. Maybe it thing. takes a long time to brush his teeth. Uh, in this next segment, Nathan Barnard and I uh, dive into the complexities of AI regulation, um, including potential uh, challenges and outcomes um, of governing AI in relation to economic growth and existential security. Um, and we we uh, compare it to banking regulation as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm like, I'm just, I just get gloomy for, I think, justified reasons when people talk about, oh yeah, like here's the nine step process. Like you have to, <laughs> that has to take place. And then, then we'll, maybe there's like a 20% chance that we'll be able to re regulate AI effectively. I, I'm being facetious, but like, or exaggerating something like that but like um yeah not I, not by a gigantic amount i think this is like pretty radically different to my oh, okay. expectation um what's your mainline expectation i suppose i expect like ai to become like an increasingly important part of the economy and to come like um yeah up to like you know up to really like a very large fraction of the economy before um uh really crazy stuff starts happening um and this one which should be like very anonymous 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 i know what the word is it'd be very unusual if um uh if this like extremely large sector of the economy which was like impacting like a very large number of people's lives remained like broadly unregulated um the well, other it'll, it'll, it'll be reg it'll be regulated but just maybe um, in like a stupid way <laughs> it's oh not sure yes Maybe in a stupid way. I suppose critically, um, do you expect a stupid way to be like too conservative or too, or like the specific question of AI extension risk, is actually too conservative or too, um, um, uh, too lenient? I, I don't, I don't even. I, I, um, or just won't be able to interact with this. I, 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 I guess, I guess, like, like, no, I guess, like, generally too lenient, but like also mostly on a different axis, where just like I don't actually know enough. Like I, I don't feel like I've like un, like read slash like learned about like various governance proposals to like have like a good like uh, object level like take on this. But like my broad prior is that um, there's just like a lot of ways to like for yeah for anything there's like a lot of ways to regulate something poorly and like the like the reason insofar as anything isn't regulated poorly it's because of a lot of trial and error like um uh 
like me yeah. be uh, i mean there's probably exceptions right like i don't know like the, like the us like like the Amer like pax americana is like maybe we didn't like lose maybe yeah it's not like we like like we only we just like kept winning wars starting with world war ii i guess just like maybe like a counter example or something like that yeah um, yeah um i think i still mostly disagree with this oh cool um um yeah i suppose like um i suppose i see a, a much like broader spectrum between like bad regulation and like good regulation like i agree it's like a very small amount of, it's like like the sort of space of like optimal regulation is very small but i think we have to hit that space for the, for regulation to be helpful um especially in this like so especially if you consider the like the doubt you know, if you sort of buy the like AI existential safety risk case, then like the downsides of it's not this like quite fine balancing act between like um you know sort of too much whatever consumer protection and like um um sort of stifling stifling like competition and stifling innovation too much. Um it's like trying to prevent this like quite specific, uh like, very bad outcome. Um uh, which is like much much which is like maybe much 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 worse than like um uh you know going like somewhat slower it, like yeah it's sort of like constraining economic growth at least like somewhat um um uh particularly if we think we're going to get something like this is like very explosive rates for economic growth really quite soon and like the cost of like slowing down economic growth by whatever um even quite even by quite a large percentage um could be like very small compared to like the cost of like extension of like um uh of sort of an accidental catastrophe. And I suppose I think I sort of think of this as like I sort of think of like slowing down economic growth as like the main cost of of main way which like regulation goes wrong currently. I, I mean I mean I mean just like um I think in an actual sense that is correct. There's the question of like okay, Congress in the United States, like it it's better than nothing. I'm glad it's not anarchy in terms of like i'm glad we have I'm, a legislature i'm also um, glad the united states has a, has a um uh how reasons responsive is congress hmm. <laughs> i don't think reasons responsive enough to like make it so that like the fight like the first big law that gets passed regard like insofar as there is one or like if there is one is like on the pareto frontier trading off between economic growth and existential security it's going to be like way like inside of that like like uh production frontier or whatever <laughs> it's going to suck on every like on, on every axis maybe on every action, but at least like some relevant axis yeah that doesn't seem like obviously true to me i think dodd frank was quite a good law um um, yeah, wait, that, that came think, after 2008, right? Yeah, correct. Well, yeah, there I, you go. <laughs> I, 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 well, no, I, I agree. It's like, I'm like not especially confident about doing regulation before there's like some quite, quite bad, before there's a quite bad warning shot. Um, and yes, if we're in worlds, we have like no warning shots and like, um, we just like blindsided by, you know, everyone getting turned into, um, everyone getting stripped their atoms in three seconds. Um, yeah, this is this is not that good. Um, but if we know we do have one shots, so I think like um, Glass Steagall's good law, um, it's not good, good law is a technical term. I think Glass Steagall was like, um, like a good, like, uh, good piece of legislation. I think Dodd Frank was a good piece of legislation. Um, 
I think the um, uh, like the 2008 stimulus bill is a good piece of legislation. I think like the troubled assets relief program is a good piece of, of good piece of legislation. Um, uh, yeah, these... I, do, I, I, do, I recognize these terms and I know some of them and others I do not. Or like yeah. don't know the contents of. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Glass-Steagall was the um, was the financial regulation passed in 1993 after the Great Depression. Um, the Tropical Asset Relief Program was passed in, I think, 2008, maybe 2009, um, uh, to help like recapitalize banks. Dodd Frank was um, the sort of landmark post financial crisis piece of legislation passed in 2011. Um, nice. I think these are all good. I think these are all good pieces of legislation. Now, I think like financial regulation is probably unusually good um, amongst amongst U.S. legislation. Um, this is like a quite weak take. I guess it's unusually good. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, um, I, I agree. I think like, um, so I don't actually know the pre-depression financial history like at all, but um, sure. I guess, I guess like, I feel like a more relevant, like, yeah, the more relevant comparison to like the like 21st century era is, is like what I have, yeah, what was the regulatory regime in 1924? Yeah, like 1925 or something. Like, I, yeah, I, I just don't know. Yeah, I know a bit. Um, I don't want to. I still haven't read this stuff. Um, I haven't sort of read this stuff especially deeply, and so I don't want to. Don't want to be sort of overconfident here. Um, but sort of the core pieces which were so important to the, um, um, uh, for sort of the Great Depression going very badly, um, was uh, yeah, no, um. Uh, 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 no distinction between commercial banks and investment banks. Um, uh, yeah, such a bank could take um, like much riskier, um, um, much riskier things with like customer deposits uh, than they could from uh, 1933 until the appeal of Glass Eagle. Um, and combine that with no, uh, 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 no deposit insurance. Um, and if you sort of have the combination of banks, you obviously like quite risky things with, with depositors' money um, and no deposit insurance. Uh, this is quite a um, uh, this is this is quite a dangerous mix. Um, yeah. I don't. Yeah, I sort of don't want to. I sort of mostly know uh, mostly know sort of what what sort of the entire system was between last um, and last year's repeal. So I sort of don't want to. Um, um, so I have the yeah. I'm an I'm an expert in the sense that I have the Wikipedia page up. Oh, and fantastic. um, hmm, well, yeah, there's a bunch of things. Basically, there's the first bank of the United States. There's the second bank of the United States. There's the free banking era. There was an era of national banks. Yada yada yada. It looks like 1907 was there was some panic. I vaguely remember this from like AP U.S. history, like mm -hmm. seven mm -hmm. years ago or whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, yeah. Um, see, I, I suppose yes. I suppose in, in short, I sort of agree that um, um, the sort of record of sort of non non post crisis legislation is like uh, not very good. I think record of post crisis legislation really, at least in the financial sector, really is quite good. I'm sure lots of people disagree with this, but this is my this is my take. Uh, up next, uh, Winston Oswald Drummond and I uh, 
talk about um, the effectiveness and impact of donating to various research organizations, um, like uh, namely uh, suffering-focused asterisk uh, organizations, um, and talk, discuss tractability, um, expected value, and basically where we should give our money. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, like where, 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 like where to go from here? I feel like we're we're like largely like we're like on the same page. I feel like. Um, yeah. Like, okay. What is your like? Um, is your disagreement mostly tractability though? Maybe we should like get into the disagreement. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, so um, I don't even know if I've like specified a, a disagreement, but like insofar as I have one, like yes, it's tractability. Mm-hmm. So like. Um, like this is like the reason why like I, I haven't donated very much uh to anywhere um like for money reasons but like um uh, insofar as i have like i have not donated to clr crs because um uh, i don't see a theory of change that connects the research currently being done to um to actually reducing s risks so like yeah and, and I, I feel like there must be something because like you know, there's like extremely smart people at both of these orgs or whatever. <laughs> and clearly they thought about this. And like maybe the answer is like, nice. it's like it's like it's like very general and like the the outcome is just like so big in magnitude that like anything yeah. kind of that, that is part of it, I think. Yeah. Like part of it is like an expected value thing, but uh and also it's just very neglected. So it's like you want some people working on this, I think, at least, even if it's unlikely to work out. But yeah, yeah. Even that might be underselling it, though. I mean, I do think there's uh, people at CRS and CLR, like, talking to people at AI labs and, like, some people in politics and, like, these types of things. And, like, hopefully, you know, the research is a way to know what to try to get done at these places. You know, like, you want to have some, like, concrete recommendations and... I think obviously people have to also be willing to like listen to you, but I think there is some work being done on that. And like research is partially just like a uh, community building thing as well. Like it's a credible signal that, you know, like you were smart and have thought about this. And so it gives people reason to listen to you. And maybe that mostly pays on, pays off later on in the future. Yeah. I, I um No, that all sounds like reasonable. And I guess like one thing is that I just don't, like there's definitely like things i mean first of all like i haven't really stayed up to date on like what's going on so like i haven't even done i've done zero research for this podcast episode for example very responsible um i've uh and insofar as i have like know things about this, like these orgs it's like just based on like the you know what's on their website at like some given time so like insofar as like there's like outreach going on not like behind the scenes but just like not in like a super public way um mm-hmm. or i guess you could call that behind the scenes like i just like don't have reason to i guess know about that um and like hmm, i guess uh yeah like i'm like i'm like pretty comfortable i don't even know if it's like this is considered biting a bullet and like the people for like the crowd that will be listening to this if that's anybody but um with just like yeah like um uh saying like yeah a very small change for like a very like large magnitude just like checks out like you can just do expected value reasoning and that's like basically basically correct uh but like a correct way of thinking about ethics um but uh even Hmm. Like, I mean, I don't know how much you know specifically or like how much you're like allowed slash like want to reveal, but like, like if there was like a particular like alignment agenda that like, like, I guess you in in a broad sense, like the suffering focused like research community 
thought was particularly promising and like re like relative to other tractable like like i guess generic alignment like recommendations and like you were doing research on that and like trying to push that into like into the into like the alignment mainstream which is like not very mainstream but like you know and then it was like the hope that like that jumps into like the ai mainstream you know like even if that's a like kind of a long chain of events like i think i would be a lot more enthusiastic about like i don't know uh, like the, the the like that that type like type of agenda because it feels like there's like a particular story you're telling where like it cashes out in the end you know what i mean uh yeah like I, i'm not the expert on this stuff but i do think like you just mean like i mean i think there's some things about influencing alignment and like powerful ai for, for sure um maybe not like a full-on like this is our alignment proposal and it also handles estrus but like some things some like things we could ask ai labs that are already building like agi we could say um can you also implement these sort of like safeguards so if you failed alignment you fail sort of gracefully and don't cause lots of suffering or right um yeah or like maybe there are other things too which also seem potentially more tractable like like even if you solve alignment in some sense like aligning with whatever the human operator tells the ai to do then you can also get the issue that like malevolent actors can take control of the ai and then what they want also causes lots of suffering so yeah so, that type of alignment wouldn't yeah and i guess i tend to be somewhat skeptical of like coherent extrapolated volition and things like this where the idea is sort of like it'll just figure out our values and like do the right thing so yeah there's like some ways to push on on this without having like a full alignment plan um but i'm not sure if that counts as like what you were what you were saying no, no I, mean, I mean i i guess i guess it does i just um yeah yeah it's, it sounds like it does uh and like it could be that I'm just like kind of mistaken about the degree to which like that type of, of like research and outreach is going on. That sounds like it's at least uh, up next. Nathan Barnard is back uh, for his second episode, um, and we talk about the nature of general intelligence, its relationship with language, and the implications of specialized brain functions on the understanding of human cognitive abilities. Yeah, so it's like symbolic, like symbolic, symbolic reasoning stuff. Um. Yeah, so I think if I was like, if I was like making the, um, if I was like making the case for general intelligence being real, um, I wouldn't actually use, some, I wouldn't have symbolic reasoning, but I would have language stuff. I'd have this like hierarchical structure thing, uh, which I okay, would so, probably. So I, I think of at least most uses of language and like central examples as a type of symbolic reasoning because like words mean things. They're like, uh, yeah, pointers to objects or something like that. Yeah yeah so i think this is like i think it's like pretty um i'm pretty confident this isn't where this, this isn't a good enough description of general intelligence so for instance so if you like uh so there's like bits in your like bits in your brain called i'm just going to check this out fuck this up um Vernicke's area um Mm 
you. Cool. I'm not. I'm just. I'm not making this. Up. Cool. Um. Uh. So yeah. So lots of like. Um. Uh. Lots of, like symbolic. Uh. Sort of the um. Like ability sort of like connects like words to. Um. Like words like points like like use words like pointers as these like arbitrary signs happens like mostly in this like area of the brain called like Verke's area. Um. But like very famously, you can have like Verke's aphasics. Um. Um, uh, who lose the ability to like, who lose the ability to like uh, do language comprehension, um, and who lose the ability to like consistently like use words as like pointers to, as like signs to point to things, but they still have like um, perfect good like spatial reasoning abilities. And so like conversely, people with like uh, broker's aphasia uh, who like fuck up, who have like like the broker's reasoning of their brain fucked up, um, will like not be able to like form fluent sentences or have like some problems like understanding syntax. Um, and they'll still be able to like have very good spatial reasoning. So like, they still like if it could still, for instance, be like uh, good engineers. I uh, used to do, would you like many problems which like cross engineering. Um, um, yeah. So like I I um I yeah I like totally buy that. I don't think I don't think language is like is the central thing. I, I think it's like an outgrowth of like well like I, I don't I don't I don't know. Like, yeah, it, it, there's like a, there's like a simplified model I can make, which is like a, it's like an outgrowth of like whatever like general intelligence really is. But like whatever like the best like mod like spatial or, or like graphical model is like um uh I, I don't think like language like is cognition. Yeah, so this is actually this is like a really big debate in psycholinguistics as to whether um language is like an outgrowth of like um uh, uh of like yeah, of like other abilities like the brain has, um, whether language, um, whether there's like, yeah, like very specialized like language mod like language modules. Yeah, this is just like a very live debate in, uh, in like psycholinguistics moments. I actually do lean towards, um, so like the reason I've been sort of, sort of talking about this like it's like, um, okay, I'm actually just going to explain this like hierarchical structure thing. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I keep talking about it. So, um. Like one theory for how you can like comprehend new sentences, like the dominant theory in linguistics, how you can like comprehend new sentences. Um, um, uh, uh, is you break them up into like you break them up into like chunks, and you like form these chunks together into like in this in this like tree structure. Um, so something like if you hear like a totally novel sentence, like um, uh, uh, the pit bull mastiff. Um, um, uh, flops around deliciously or something. Um, um, you can like comprehend what the sentence means, despite the fact you've never heard it. Um, uh, the theory behind this is you, is you sort yeah, so this can be like broken up into like this like tree structure where like the different like um, uh, 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 like like bits of the sentence. So like um, like the mastiff would be like one bit. And then you have like another bit, which is like the mastiff. I can't remember what I said. Uh, rolled around, so that'd be like another bit. And then you have like this would like be a, you can like connect this to a heart. Okay, so you got like the mastiff rolling around. Um, and like one theory of like of like uh, uh, like one of the sort of like distinctive sort of distinctive things that humans have is the ability to like is like this like quite general ability to um, like break things up into these like these like tree structures. Um, this is like yeah. Again, this is like controversial within like psycholinguistics, um, but it's like broadly an area which I 
by like broadly bias because of like we do see like um um harms to other like to like other areas of intelligence like like uh you get much like much worse at like raven's progressive matrices for instance um um uh uh when you have when you have like an injury to broker's area uh but like not worse at like tests or, like tests of space or like spatial reasoning for instance so um what is like is there like a main alternative to like how humans understand language uh, as far as I'm, uh, this like this like specificity of like how we like like pass like completely novel sentences as far yeah. as where this is just like this is just like the the academic consensus like the, the, okay, the, okay, the, okay, the, it's like strong consensus okay um, i mean it, it sounds totally like right <laughs> i don't know but yeah yeah um 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 but yeah, uh, I suppose so like going back to this thing, like how far is like language like an outgrowth of like general intelligence, uh, an outgrowth of like general intelligence versus like um, having like much more like specialized like language modules. Yeah, I lean towards I lean towards the latter, despite yeah, I still don't want to like be give like too strong of a personal opinion here because I'm like not a linguistic. This is a podcast. You're supposed to you're supposed to, you're allowed to give takes. No one's gonna like like hold you like say this is like the academic consensus. <laughs> We want takes. <laughs> we want takes. Well, if so, 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 my gun to my head is I think that I think that they're, um, I think language is an outgrowth of other abilities. Um, um, and yeah, I think like, like the main, the main like justification for this, I think, is that, um, uh, the loss of other abilities we see when, when you have, um, damage to, um, uh, broker's area and Verka's area. Okay. Um, cool. So I think we basically agree on, on that. And also, I guess one thing to highlight is, is I think outgrowth can mean a couple different things. Like I definitely think it's plausible. I, I, have, I haven't like read about this in a, I think I did at some point, but like not in a while. Um, but like outgrowth could mean like temporally or whatever. I'm like, I think I'm kind of inclined to think it's like not that straightforward, but like you could have like coevolution where like, like language per se, like encourages, um, like both yeah. like, the, like its own development and like the development of like some general like underlying yeah. trait or something yeah 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 which which seems likely okay cool um so why why don't humans have general intelligence right yeah um i suppose yeah so i suppose um um yeah so as i as i as i was sort of talking about previously um if you can like um Okay, I think I think I actually just want to go back to like a high level. It's like a high level argument. Um, it appears to be like very like like very surprised like much higher levels of functional specialization in like brains than you expect. Um, like you can lose like much much more specific abilities um, than you expect to be able to lose. Um, so like you can lose like like uh, uh, like specifically the ability. Um, um uh, so like, like like i said yeah a famous example is like face blindness um it's actually probably like lose the ability to like specifically recognize things which you're like an expert in um it's like a shift Wait, of the last who, who does it or who loses this ability oh so if you if you so if you've like damaged your fusiform area you'll lose the ability to recognize okay. faces but nothing else ah okay okay um and this is like there's this like general pattern that like um um um, your brain is much more, you can use much more specific abilities than you expect. Um, 
so for instance, if you sort of have damage to your like ventral medial prefrontal cortex, you can like know, you can like say the reasoning for why you shouldn't compulsively gamble, um, um, but still compulsively gamble, for instance. Um, okay, I, I, I understand this. Not gambling per se, but like executive function stuff at, at a visceral level. Yeah. Okay, keep going. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, also, there are some other nice examples of this. Um, I think memory is quite intuitive. So there's like a very famous patient called like patient HM who had his uh, like hippocampus removed. Um, and so as a result, lost like all declarative memory. Um, so all like memory of like specific like facts and like, oh, wow. um, uh, uh, and like, um, like, like, like things which happened in his life. He just like couldn't remember any of these things. Um, but still, but still perfectly functioning otherwise. Um, wow. I think at like a really high level, I think like, this like functional specialization like really is like really strong it's like probably the strongest piece of evidence um um uh, against the general intelligence hypothesis i think fundamentally general intelligence hypothesis implies that like if you like yeah if you were to like harm a piece of your brain if you were to like have some like brain injury um you might like generically get worse at tasks you like generically get worse at like at like um at, like all tasks which use general intelligence um, but I think, like, yeah, traditionally people with including general intelligence, like the ability to write, the ability to like speak, um, maybe not speak, the ability to like, uh, like, uh, do math. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean you, you do have this. It's just, it's just not as easy to, to like analyze in like a like a cog sci like paper, which is just, I mean, it's just like IQ or whatever. So like, there is some, like, there is something where like, um, like if somebody has like a particular like cubic centimeter, their brain like taken out. That's like mm. really excellent evidence about like what that cubic centimeter does or whatever. Yeah. But like yeah. that like non-spatial modification is just like harder to study and analyze. Uh, I guess you can give you... people drugs, right? Like, like, um, like, let's suppose that like G or not, not, not um, set aside like the psychometric stuff, but like suppose like suppose that like general intelligence like is like mostly a thing or or whatever. Um, uh, and like you actually can ratchet it up and down. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, this is probably just true, right? Like you can probably give somebody like different doses of like various drugs. I don't know, like laughing gas, like, like, yeah, like probably, so think, probably weed. Like, <laughs> I don't know. So I think this just probably isn't true. So I think, so there's, so like, um, you have, so your, your, uh, your, um, uh, your working memory um, correlates quite strongly with like G and like having better working memory with, like generic can make you much better at lots of tasks. Um, but if you like, uh, yeah, if you have like, um, um, like this, yeah, sorry, but this is just like a specific ability. It's like just specifically your working memory, which is improved if you like go memory to like a drug to improve working memory. Um, I think it's like, I think like, uh, I think it's like a few things like um, memory, attention, um, uh, maybe something like decision making, um, which are all like extremely useful abilities and like and like improve how well other other cognitive abilities work. But they're all separate things, and they also another and like improving another. You know, like if you improve your your like attention, your like attention abilities, your working memory, um, um, but you get, but you sort of had like some brain injury. Um, uh, which sort of meant you sort of um, uh, yeah had like lost ability to like pass syntax. You would not you would not get better at like passing syntax. 
and you can also like do these things separately. You can also like improve attention and improve working memory separately, um, which just is not just this like one dial which you can turn up. Um, uh, which just well, like gen- there's yeah. there's good reason to expect that you can't turn it up because like evolution's already sort of like maximizing given the relevant constraints, right? So like you would need to be looking like just like injuries, like like there's I, don't, I, I maybe there are studies where they like try to increase people's it's like trying to like add a cubic centimeter to like someone's brain, but like normally it's like it's like the opposite. Like you start from some like high baseline and then like see what faculties like you lose. So like yeah, yeah. You just to clarify, I guess. Yeah. Um sorry, I think I've lost I think I've lost the so you still you still think there probably is some like general like general like intangibility to like turn up. Um honestly, I think I haven't okay. thought about this as nearly as much as you. Like, so like we both, I, like, I kind of don't know what I think. Like, like at some level, like if I could just like write down all of the different components and, and there are like 74 of them and mm-hmm. like that, that like G or like what I think of a general intelligence like consists of, like, does that make it like ontologically? I guess in some sense, yeah, that like does make it like less like of like a, like an ontologically like legit thing or something. Like, um, I, uh, I, I, I th- actually, I think, um, I I think the thing I want to get like the, the like motivating thing here is that with humans, yet yeah, you can like look. We we know humans like range in IQ. Um, I uh, and there's like setting aside like a very tiny subset of like people with like brain injury, like severe brain injuries or like uh, development disorders or, or whatever. Um, yeah, like almost everybody like has some sort of symbolic reasoning that they can do to some degree whereas like whereas like the smartest maybe i'm wrong about this but like as far as i know like the smartest squirrel is not gonna be able to like have something like semantically represent something else um and like that's like what i what i what i like intuitively want to appeal to it's like yeah yeah you know what i mean yeah yeah, I think so. I I know what you're guessing at. So I think there's like two interesting two interesting things here. So I think one is could a squirrel do this? I'm guessing a squirrel couldn't do this, but a dog can. Um, or like a dog probably can. A chimpanzee definitely can. Um, do what? Uh, oh, chimpanzees can definitely learn to like associate arbitrary signs, like like things in the world with arbitrary signs. Uh, um. Yes, but like I, I, maybe I'm just like, like adding on epicycles here. But but I feel like, um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. But I I think that like they can't. Yeah, maybe I'm just wrong about this. But I, I would I would assume that chimpanzees cannot, um, like use that sign in like a domain that they like is like like qualitatively different from the ones they've like been in. Right. So like a dog will like know that like a certain sign means sit or whatever um but like uh hmm, like maybe that's not not a good example i don't know i think this is is basically not true Um, okay and we sort of know this from like teaching um teaching is like yeah a famously coco the gorilla also a bonobo whose name i can't remember um were taught sign language um and they like the thing they were like consistently bad at was like putting together sentences um they can learn quite large vocabularies, like learning, like learning to associate by like large, I mean, in like the hundreds of words. 
um, I, I'm the low hundreds of words, um, uh, which they could like consistently use. Um, um, yeah, which they like like consistently use correctly. Um, what, what, what do you mean by use? Like, like in what sense would this bonobo use it? Uh, 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 so a really so very famous and quite controversial example is like Coco Gorilla was like saw a swan outside and like signed Waterbird. Um, oh, it's like cool. a controversial. That's <laughs> like a controversial example. But other things, they're like I think which is controversial here is like the syntax part of like putting like water and bird together is the controversial part. Um, uh, but it's not the controversial part that um, that she could see a swan and call that a bird. Yeah, I mean, it, this is kind of just making me think. Okay, like maybe the threshold for Z is just like at the chimp level or something. And like I mean, we are like or whatever, like the most like that. Sure, like, sure. I, I, yeah, like, like, like if, if whatever, like if a species really can like generate from like a previous anesthetics or whatever, like like a new, like a concept uh, that they like hadn't learned before. Yeah, this is a controversial, this is like a okay. controversial example of that. It's like, it's like the, the, the yeah, the, the addition to the controversial part. Um, yeah, I suppose like maybe it's like brings back to why I think this like matters is like, will there be this like, um, um, uh, will there be this like threshold which AIs cross such that their reasoning after this is quite qualitatively different to their reasoning previously? And this leads to like two things: one, like a much faster like increase in like AI capabilities, and two, like alignment techniques, like alignment techniques which like works on like less on like less fit on like systems which didn't have G will no longer work on systems with, which do have G. Um, so like brings back to, like why I think it's like it's like actually matters. Um, but I think if like if we're sort of accepting, I think you know I think like I think like elephants probably also have AI. Um, but if you think that like um, yeah, if we're saying like G is like the level of chimpanzees, like chimpanzees just like don't don't look like qualitatively different to like don't look like that qualitatively different to like other animals now. Um, like lots of other animals live in like similarly complex similarly like complex like social groups. Lots of other animals like use tools. Um, um, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. I um, I mean, for, for one thing, I don't think uh, like there's not going to be a discontinuity in the same way that like there wasn't a discontinuity, but like any at any point like between like in humans' evolution from like the first prokaryotic cells or whatever, or eukaryotic yeah. one of those two, um, yeah. or both, I guess. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but um, wait, I'm also trying to thought. Uh, oh yes, I, and like I feel like. Like I know it's controversial, but like, like let's just like suppose that uh, that yeah, like the sign language thing was like legit with the water bird, and that that's oh, not like a yeah. random one-off fluke or something. Um, sure. Then like yeah, maybe like this is just like the like a, some sort of like weird vestigial like evolutionary accident that like actually isn't very beneficial for chimpanzees, and like they just like stumbled their way into, and then like it just like enabled them to like like or it, it enabled evolution to like bootstrap like chimp genomes into human genomes, like because like at some, like the smartest or whatever, or like actually, I don't know, yeah. honestly, I don't have a great grasp of evolutionary biology or like evolution at all, but like, yeah, it could just be like not that helpful for chimps and like helpful for like an extremely smart chimp that like looks kind of different or something like that. Yeah, so I suppose just like the other, um, just like the other thing which is going on here, um, um, is you can just like loot, yeah, as I, so as I, I still don't want to sort of, yeah, so to keep banging on about this but you can like lose the language you can like you can like lose like linguistic ability and it's just like it's like happens like 
like this happens like in stroke victims, for instance, it's not that rare. Um, it's just like lose like linguistic ability, um, but still have uh, like all like all the other abilities which we sort of think of as like general intelligence. Um, which all, yeah, which sort of which I think think would be including like the general intelligence like hypothesis. Um, well, I mean, like I, I know I I agree that's like evidence against it. I just don't think it's like it's like very strong evidence. I mean, oh. it, it, it like par partially because like I disagree. I think there like is a real school of thought that says that like language is like fundamental, or, like language drives thought, or, like language language is like primary to thought or something. And I I don't buy that. Um, like if you did buy that, I think this would be like more damning evidence. Um, now uh, Daniel Fallon and I uh, talk about the the ethical implications of total utilitarianism, um, essentially discussing and debating. Uh, my sort of heterodox claim that uh, total utilitarianism does not imply that, um, that any amount of any given amount of suffering can be morally justified or offset by by something positive. Uh, okay, so like, I think the thing that we were talking about last time we talked, which is like the thing I like, I think we've actually both know stuff about, instead of just like repeating New York Times articles, is my oh, yeah. like nuanced ethical ethics takes and like why you think I'm wrong. So like, maybe, do you want to oh, like, yeah. talk about talk about that, and then we can just also branch off from there. But like, um, yeah, we can talk about maybe, that. Yeah, maybe see where that goes. Okay. Uh, so how did I? Uh, I luckily have a split screen up, uh, so I can like pull up things. But um, so like this is kind of maybe this is kind of like e egotistical or something to like center like my particular view. But I, I like I am like I, you've definitely like given me like some of the better pushback or whatever um, that I, oh, I, mean, I haven't gotten like that much uh, feedback of any kind, I guess. But like it's still. Um, so, uh, interesting to like hear your take. So like, basically, um, my ethical position or like the thing that I think is true is that, um, which, which is, which I think is not the default view. I think most people think this is wrong. Um, is that total huh. utilitarianism does not imply that, uh, any, that for some amount of suffering that could be created, there exists some other like extremely large, arbitrarily large amount of happiness that could that could also be created, which would morally justify uh, the former. Um, so, uh, okay. so you think that basically not not total... offsetability is like yeah yeah. So you think that like even under total utilitarianism, there can be like big, you know, amounts of suffering such that there's no way to like morally like tip the calculus, you know, however much like pleasure you can create, like. It's just not going to outweigh the fact that you like inflicted that much suffering on some people. Yeah, and, and I, I'd highlight the word "inflicted." Like, if you know, if something's already there and you can't do anything about it, that's like kind of like neither here nor there. I like it, like uh, as it pertains to like your actions or something. So, like, it's really about like you increasing um, the, the like, yeah, you creating suffering that wouldn't have like otherwise been created. Um, yeah, I. It's also been a couple months since I've thought about this, like in extreme detail. Although, you know, okay. I've thought about it quite a bit. Yeah. Um, maybe, okay. So why I am I wrong? My, maybe I should say my contrary view. So, okay. uh, I guess when you say that, like, I don't know, does total utilitarianism imply something or not? I'm like, well, presumably it depends on what we mean by total utilitarianism, right? So setting that aside, uh, I think that thesis is probably false. I think that like yeah, you can offset great amounts of suffering with, like, great amounts of pleasure, uh, even for arbitrary amounts of suffering. Okay. Okay. And, and 
yeah, just just again, I I do think that position is like the much more common and like even I'd say default view. Like, do you do you agree with that? Um, or like. Maybe. Or, or, or like it's sort of like the implicit position of people who are like of like self-described total utilitarians who like haven't thought a ton about this particular question. Yeah, I think it's probably the implicit default. Um, I do think that like I, I I think it's the implicit default in like ethical theory or something. I think that in practice, like when you're like being a utilitarian, I don't know. Normally, like you um like. Like if you're trying to be a utilitarian and you see yourself inflicting a large amount of suffering, um, I don't know. I do think there's some instinct to be like, is there any way we can get around this? You know, <laughs> like oh, oh people for, are for sure. Like, yeah, yeah, for sure. And like to be clear, I don't think this would look like a thought experiment. I think what it looks like in practice, and and also mm. I like, I will also like caveat. I would like throw in caveats as I see necessary, but I think what it looks like in practice okay. is like um, is like spreading like like either wild animals or like humans or even sentient digital life like through the universe in that's like in like a non s risky way, but that's still like just maybe like say making the earth like making like multiple copies of humanity or, or something like that, you know, like just like, that would be an example. That's probably not like, particular. that's sorry. An example of what? Oh, so, um, uh, an example of creating suffering would be, for example, just creating another duplicate of earth. Okay. I, I think that would be like yeah. so much suffering that like, we shouldn't like, like even the pleasures of earth outweighs it. I honestly, I honestly, so, so not necessarily, I like, which is kind of a, kind of a cop-out, um, but, uh, um, yeah, my, my inclination is that with, if you include wild animals, the answer is yes, that like okay. creating another earth, especially, yeah, but I'm like much more committed to like the, there's like the, that it's like some amount, right? Um, it's like some amount than like okay. this, than like this particular, yeah, like this particular like uh, time and place and, like in human history is like that or whatever. Okay. Uh, can can I get a feel of uh, so, some other like concrete cases to see like yeah. Um. Okay. So like so uh, I yeah. So one example that's on my mind is like the atomic bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, right? Um. So the standard case for this is like. Yeah, uh, you know, what, 100-odd thousand people died? Um, like, quite terrible. Quite awful. Um, and, they, and, like, a lot of them died, like, in extremely... Well, I guess a lot of them were sort of... Some people were sort of instantly vaporized, but a lot of people died in extremely painful ways. Um, but, you know, um, the counter case is, like, well, the alternative to that would have been, like, an incredibly grueling land invasion of Japan where, like, many more people would have died or something. Um, so, like... It, it, you know, r regardless of like what the actual alternatives were, if you think about the atomic bombings, do you think that's like the kind of infliction of suffering where like there's just not a offsetting amount of pleasure that could make that okay? Uh, um, my intuition is is no, that like it is offsetable, but I would also emphasize that that, that like give like in the actual like given the actual like historical contingencies the alternative like 
like the, the the implicit case like for the bombing includes reducing suffering elsewhere rather than merely creating yeah merely, yeah like rather only than creating happiness much. so but, like yeah. um so yeah so there can definitely be like two bad choices that you have to make or, or, or something and like okay. my claim doesn't really pertain to that at least not directly um, up next holly elmore and i discuss the complexities and implications of ai development and open sourcing uh we talk about pro protests and ethical considerations um, around uh, her um uh campaign to uh pause um the development of frontier ai uh, systems until until we can tell that they're safe uh so what's the what's the plan do you have a plan you don't have to have a plan i i, I don't have plans very much um well right now uh i'm hopeful about the uk ai summit i like so wait, i have um Pause AI and I have planned a multi-city protest to on the 21st of October uh, to encourage the UK AI Safety Summit to focus on safety first uh, and to, you know, have as a topic arranging a pause or, you know, that kind of negotiation. There's a lot of like, like a little bit upsetting, like advertising for that thing that's like, we need to keep up capabilities too. And I just think like, that's really a secondary objective, but like, and I, that's how I, I wanted to be focused on safety. So I'm, I'm hopeful about the like level of global coordination that we're already seeing. I mean, it's going so much faster than we thought. Like already the, the UN Secretary General has been talking about this and there've been meetings about this. Like it's happened so much faster, you know, than in like yeah. at the beginning of this year, like nobody thought we could talk about, you know, nobody was thinking we'd be talking about this as a mainstream topic. And then like actually governments have been very like, receptive so anyway so right now i'm focused on like the the like actually other than just like influencing opinion um the like <laughs> uh targets i'm focused on are things like encouraging these uh international efforts uh i might so like i have a, a protest on friday um which is my first protest that i'm leading and i'm like, kind of nervous that's against meta it's at the meta building in san francisco about um their sharing of model weights they call it open source it's like not exactly open source but um they that i could i'm probably not going to repeat that message because it's pretty complicated to explain i really love the pause message because i it's just so hard to misinterpret and it like conveys pretty clearly what we want very quickly and you don't have a lot of bandwidth and advocacy like you know like i you know you write a lot of materials for a protest but like mostly what people see is the title and like um, so, no, no, um that's interesting because like what I, I sort of have the opposite sense i i like agree that like in terms of like how many like informational bits you're like conveying in a particular phrase like pause ai is simpler but like um in some sense like it's not nearly as obvious like why that at least maybe to like maybe i'm like more of like a tech brain person or whatever but like why that is good as opposed to like don't give extremely powerful thing to the worst people in the world like that's well, like that's okay that's like, that's like a longer everyone <laughs> yeah <laughs> well hmm. maybe, maybe, yeah maybe i'm just feedback weird <laughs> i've gotten the feedback you know from um open source ml people is the number one thing is like it's too late you know there's already super powerful models there's nothing you can do to stop us which sounds so villainous i don't know if that's like <laughs> what, they, what they mean but um and uh well actually the number one message is you're stupid you're not an ml engineer like which like okay but um number two is like it's too late there's nothing you can do there's all of these other and meta's not even 
you know, the most powerful generator of like models that it share of, you know, open source models. I was like, okay, fine. Um, and I don't know, I don't think that like protesting too much haha, um, is really like the best in these situations. I just mostly kind of like let that lie. I, I could give my theory of change on this, like, and why I'm focusing on Meta. Meta is a large company I'm hoping to have that uh, influence on. There is a Meta building in San Francisco near where I live, you know? <laughs> like, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Meta is the Wish biggest company that is doing this. And I think there should be a norm against model weight sharing. Um, I was hoping it would be something that like other uh, employees of other labs would be comfortable attending. And like that um, is a policy that is not shared across the labs, obviously. Like, you know, the biggest labs uh, don't do it. Um, so OpenAI is called OpenAI, but like very quickly decided not to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I kind of want to kind of wanted to like start in a way that like made it more clear than Pause AI does that like, you know, this is um anybody's welcome uh something I, I thought a one-off issue like this that a lot of people could like agree and like form a coalition around like would be good. Like a lot of people think that this is like Oh yeah, so a lot of the open source ML people think that you know, this is like a secret. What I'm saying is like secretly an argument for tyranny. I just want centralization of power. I just think that there are like elites that are better qualified to run everything. Um, it was even suggested, I didn't mention China. It even suggested that I was racist because I didn't think that foreign people could make better AIs than Meta. And I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm grimacing here. I, I like Matt, yeah, big respect <laughs> to that, uh, the, uh, intellectual disagreeableness if if that's an appropriate term or something like that um uh yeah um yeah uh good, good on you for for like standing up to yeah some pretty bad arguments um i mean yeah i just it's not like that worth it it's actually i i'm lucky that i truly am curious about what people think about stuff like that like i just find it really interesting like i spent way too much time like understanding the alt-right for instance like i'm kind of like sure i'm on list somewhere because of like the forums i was on just because i was interested and like <laughs> it is something that serves me well um with um you know my adversaries i just i've enjoyed some conversations with people where i kind of like because my position on all this is that look like we just i need to be convinced and like the public needs to be convinced that this is safe before we go ahead so i kind of like not having to like be the smart person making the arguments i kind of like being like can you explain like i'm five like i still don't get it like you know yeah. just like how does this work and um yeah yeah <laughs> no i was thinking actually like not long ago um about yeah open source like the phrase has such a positive connotation um yeah. and like in a lot of contexts like it really is it really is good um like i don't know like i'm glad that like random tech like i don't know things from like 2004 or whatever like the reddit source code is like all right seems cool that it's open source um i don't actually know if that was but like how that right but um uh but like yeah i, I feel like maybe even just like breaching um like breaking down like why like why the like like what the positive connotation like comes from and like um and like why it's in people's self this is really what i was thinking about is like why is it in people's self-interest to like open source things that they made um and like that might, might like like break apart like the allure or like sort of like ethical like halo that it has around it and i was thinking like um it's like it probably has something to do with like 
oh, this is like how, um, like if you're like a tech person who like makes some cool product, like you could try to put a gate around it by like keeping it closed source and like maybe trying to get intellectual property or something. But like probably you're like extremely talented, like already are like pretty wealthy, like are definitely can be like hired in the future. And like, if you're like not wealthy yet, like I don't mean to put things in like just materialist terms, but like um, basically like it, it could easily be just like in a, yeah, I think I'll probably take that bit out because I didn't mean to put it in like strictly like monetary terms, but like basically it just like seems like pretty plausibly in like an arbitrary tech person's like, like self-interest, like broadly construed to like, in fact, open source their thing, which is like totally like fine and normal. I think it's that's like, like 99. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, kind of, and like, all just like, it's like a way of, you know, showing magnanimity, showing. Yeah, no, but like, like I don't like, know. <laughs> make this sound so like I think 99.9% .9 of human behavior is like this like I'm not saying it's like oh some like secret like <laughs> terrible self-interested thing but just like breaking like making it more mechanistic okay it's like a, it's like a status thing it's like an advertising thing it's like okay like you're not really in need of like direct economic rewards or like sort of makes sense to like play the long game in some sense and like this is like totally normal and fine but like at the end of the day it's not like a um there's like reasons why <laughs> uh like why pe why it like makes sense in why it's in people's self-interest to open source um and, and so like literally yeah. like the culture of open source has like been able to bully like you know people into like oh it's immoral to like keep it for yourself you have to release those so it's just like set the norms in a lot of ways i'm not so bully sounds bad but i mean it's just like there is a lot of pressure like it it's, looks bad if it's you know something is closed source yeah it's 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 like kind of weird that Meta. I don't know. Like, does Meta like really think it's like in there? I don't know. Like, I mean, most most like, like I guess, economic like uh, take on this would be like, oh, they like somehow think it's like in their share like, like shareholders interest to like open source their models. I mean, there's a lot of speculations on why they're doing this. Like one is that like, yeah, their models aren't as good as the top labs, but if it's open source, then open source, quote unquote, um, then the you know like people will integrate it llama 2 into their apps or people will use it and like become i don't know like uh it's, it's a little weird because i don't know like why using llama 2 like commits you to using llama 3 or something but like i mean it just like ways for like their models to get in yeah. in places where like if you just had to pay for their models too people would go for you know better ones um <laughs> I, it's uh that's one thing another is like yeah i guess these are too speculative i don't want to be seen repeating them since i'm about to do this protest but um but like there's speculation that it's in this interest in various ways uh to do this i think it's possible also that just like so so what happened with the release of llama one is like they were gonna allow like approved people to download the weights but then like within four days somebody had leaked llama one on 4chan and <laughs> Then they just were like, well, whatever, we'll just release the weights. And and then they released Llama 2 as, you know, with the weights from the beginning. Um, and it's not like 100% clear that they intended to do full open source, like, or what they call open source. And I keep saying it's not open source because this is like a little bit of a tricky point to make. Um, so I'm like not emphasizing it too much, but like, so they say that they're open source, but they're not. Like the code, you know, the algorithms are not open source. <laughs> like there are uh, open source ML models that have everything open sourced and i don't think that that's good i think that's worse so like i don't want to criticize them for that but like they're saying it's open source because there's like all this goodwill associated with open source but like it's actually actually what they're doing is releasing the product 
<laughs> for free and like and um or like trade secrets even you could say like things that should be trade secrets and like um and yeah it's not like they're telling people how to make it themselves so it's like a little bit of a they're like uh, yeah, they're yeah, intentionally yeah. using this label that has a lot of positive connotations but like probably according to open source initiative which like makes the open source license like it should be called something else or there should just be like a new category for llms being yeah. um but like that's i mean it's i don't want things to like be more open like it's not it could easily sound like a rebuke that it should be more open to make that point but like i also don't want to call it open source because like that's like i think like open source software should probably probably does deserve like a lot of its like positive connotation but like they're not releasing the part that the software part because that would be that would cut into their business i think it would be much yeah. worse i think they shouldn't do it but like i also i'm not clear on this because the open source ml critics say that everyone does have access to the same data set as llama 2 but i don't know llama 2 had uh like what like 7 billion tokens and that's more than like gpt4 and like i don't understand all of the details here it's possible that like the tokenization process was different or something and that's why there were more or but it's they also meta didn't say what was in the llama 2 data set and usually there's some description given of what's in the the data set and so that led some people to speculate that like maybe they're using private data like they do have access to a lot of private data that shouldn't be it's not just like the common crawl yeah like backup of the internet that'll that everybody's basing you know their training on that and then like maybe some like works of literature they're not supposed to there's like a data set there that like is in question um but like metas is bigger you know it is it's bigger than like it's bigger than i think like uh well sorry i shouldn't i i don't have a list in front of me i'm not gonna get stuff wrong um but um, yeah it, it is it bigger than kind of similar models um and i thought like you know that they have access to like extra stuff that's not public like and it seems like that's a lot. a lot. People are asking, you know, if maybe that's part of the the training set. But um, yeah, the ML people would have, or the open source ML people that I've been talking to would have to believe that anybody who's decent can just access all of the training sets that they've all used. So, <laughs> well, fun like aside, I tried to download. So, like, I, in case I'm guessing, <laughs> I don't know. It depends how many people listen to this, but like, um, in one sense, for like. For like a confident ML engineer, I'm sure like open source really does mean that. But then there's people like me. So like I've, um, I don't know. Like I knew a little bit of R. <laughs> so like I'm like barely, like barely. I I think I feel like I caught on like the very last boat where like I could like know just barely enough programming to like to like not um or to like try to learn more. I guess coming mm -hmm. like coming out of college and so um so like. That, uh, like recent, I don't know, a couple months ago, I like tried to like do the thing where you like download Llama too, but like I tried it all, and now I just have like a like it didn't work. I have like a bunch of empty folders, and like I forget like got some like error message or whatever. And then I like tried to like train my own, I <laughs> tried to train my own model on my MacBook, and it just printed the. That's like the only thing that a language model would do because that was like the most common token in the training set. So anyway, I, I feel like a lot. Of, I'm just like um, sorry, this is like not important whatsoever. But, yeah, um, I feel like torn about this because, you know, I, I used to be a genomicist and like I used to do computational biology and it was not machine learning. But like, you know, we 
I used like a highly parallel, you know, GPU cluster. And like, so like, oh, I know cool. some stuff about it. Um, and like, part of me like wants to mess around with it. <laughs> um, but part of me feels like, oh, like I shouldn't get like seduced by this. Like I am kind of worried that this has happened in, in the AI safety community. Like it's always been people who are interested in, from the beginning, it was people who were interested in singularity and then like realized there was this problem. And so like, it's always been like people really interested in tech and like, wanting to be close to it. And I think we've been really influenced by, um, like our direction has been really influenced by wanting to be like where the action is with AI development. And like, I don't know that that was right. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, I mean, on one hand, I, on like a, like a personal, not personal, but like, uh, yeah, I guess like individual like level. Um, I'm like not super worried about people like, you and me like getting like losing this like losing the plot by like learning more about ml like on I think their personal so. computers I mean, you know right. what I mean? but it does just feel sort of like i guess and yeah this is maybe more of like a confession than like a point but i it does feel a little bit like it's it's hard for me to like enjoy in good conscience like the cool stuff <laughs> but okay yeah 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 like like, ever, like to each to each uh i'm like um, i feel I just see people be so like attached to this as their identity. Like they really don't want to go in a direction of like not pursuing tech, you know, because like this is kind of their whole thing. And like, what would they do if we weren't like working toward AI? Like this is a big fear that people express to me with, um, they don't say it in so many words usually, but like they say things like, well, I don't want AI to never get built, you know? Um, about a pause, which by the way, and just to clear up, like my assumption is that like a pause would be, unless society ends for some other reason, like that a pause would eventually be lifted. Like it couldn't, you know, be forever. But some people are worried that like, if you stop the momentum now, like people will, you know, people are just so like Luddite in their insides that like, we would just never pick it up again or something like that. Um, and yeah, like there's some some identity stuff that's been expressed again, like not in so many words to me about like who will we be if we're just sort of like activists, you know, instead of like working on. Maybe one thing that like we might actually disagree on, like it's like kind of important, is like whether. So I think we both agree that like AI pause is better than the status quo. Like at least, you know, broadly, whatever. I know that can mean different things, but like, mm -hmm. um, yeah, maybe I'm like not super convinced actually that like, uh, that like, if I, if I could just like, hmm, what am I trying to say? Maybe I, um, it, at least like right now, like if I could just imagine the world where like, um, open eye and I'm an anthropic like had a couple more years to like do stuff and like nobody else did that would be like that that would be like even like that would be better like I kind of think that they are like reasonably responsible actors and so like I don't know um and, and, and so I guess but like I don't think that actually like that's not an actual possibility but like m maybe like we have a different idea about like the degree to which like a problem is just like a million different, not even a million, but say like a thousand different actors, like having increasingly powerful models versus like the actual, um, uh, like, like the actual like state of the art, like right now being like plausibly like near a dangerous threshold or something. Does this make any sense to I you? I think both those things are 
Yeah. <laughs> um, and this is one thing I really like about the pause position is that like, unlike a lot of proposals that try to like allow for alignment, it's like not, it's not really close to a bad choice. It's just more safe. I mean, it might be foregoing some value. Um, yeah. Uh, if there is a way to get an aligned AI faster. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like the pause position because it's kind of robust to this. I just, I, I can't claim to know more about alignment, you know, than like, you know, OpenAI or, or Anthropic's yeah. staff. Like, I think they know much more about it, but I just, I have like fundamental doubts about like the concept of alignment that make me think like, like, I'm just, I'm concerned about even if things go right, like what perverse consequences, you know, go nominally right. Like what perverse consequences could follow from that? Like, like I have, I don't know, like a theory of psychology that's like not super compatible with alignment. Like I think like, yeah, like humans in like living in society together are like aligned with each other, but like the society is a big part of that. Now up next, I'm Max Alexander. Um, and I talk about Twitter, um, and how it's changed as a platform, uh, and many fun things besides. Also, wait, maybe like, what else? Like, I don't know. What do you think about Twitter? Like in general? I don't know, that, because this is how we met. Yeah. I um, mean, we have I not met in real life. Like, but yeah. Worse as a platform than it was one, like two years ago or something. Okay. Like, but like, yeah, yeah. stability-wise, and like, there are small changes that make it worse or something. Uh, but like, largely, my experience is unchanged. I think. Um, is it like, are you? Do you think it's like, like good, bad? I don't know. Like, do you think people should join Twitter? Like, on the margin. Uh, I think EA should join EA Twitter. I'm not sure if you should join Twitter rather than like other social medias or something. Like, I think sort of the area of social media we're on is like uniquely quite good or something. Um. I agree. And like some of this is like you get interactions with people, which is like good. Uh and like people are very nice or something and like very civil, uh, where we are. And like it's less clear the sorts of like personal personal ability or something and like niceness that you get where we are in Twitter, like are elsewhere in Twitter, because I don't go elsewhere, but like uh, basically you should like join twitter i guess if you're going to enter like a small community or something like if you're just going to use it like to browse memes or something it's not clear this is better than like literally any other social media that has yeah. memes. No, no yeah yeah I, I i agree i like um well i guess our audience is like of all like maybe four people is like largely from twitter but you never know there's yeah. like a non-zero chance that somebody from the wider world will be listening in mm. case, I think I think this is a, yeah I think I think it's at least worth an experiment right like uh, yeah. I mean I I should probably you should maybe you could tell me something that I should experiment with or, or like something is there anything else like Twitter that we don't have in common that like you think that maybe I don't do it's like oh he's an idiot for not doing oh this. probably not I mean I'm sure you do better things than I do probably well I mean like, probably so, like the space is a large space right like yeah. I don't know do we I think a benefit of using Twitter is like um it kind of opens you up or something probably is the case like it probably does like literally build your social skills or something i mean maybe not in like an obviously useful way uh <laughs> because it's like you're probably not like necessarily that much better um at doing in-person stuff or something as a result of using twitter like maybe it improves you like very slightly or something um but it's like it's yeah. a different skill texting versus like talking yeah 
Um, actually, here's here's something I want your thoughts on. Like, act, I recently may, maybe this is outing me as a true Twitter addict, but like, no, I by and large have had like a really good experience, and I stand by it. I think it's like at net on net, like not just on net, but like just in general, like added value to my life and stuff, and it's uh-huh. great, especially yeah, like given the community that I'm in, the communities that I'm in. Um, but. Yeah, this is gonna actually kind of embarrassing. I've started thinking in tweets. I'm not I'm not hundred percent of the time. Not like my brain is only stuck on Twitter mode, but I think like on the margin, it's like a like a chef toward like, oh, like a thought verbalizes in Aaron's brain as it as like something that could be a tweet. And I'm not sure this is a positive development. <laughs> um I mean like it is the case of like have my friends open Twitter in front of me. Uh, like my Twitter and like go through and read my tweets. Actually, many people in my life do this. I don't know why. Like, I don't really <laughs> want them to do that. Um, but, and like, it does change the way you talk, certainly. Part of that's public character limit, and part of that's probably like culture or something. Yeah. Um, so that's the case. Uh, I don't know if I experienced that, or like, I do sometimes. Like, if I like thought of a really stupid pun, like, normally you don't do anything with that but now i can or something right it's like worth holding on for the six seconds it takes to open my phone um but i think like i actually kind of maybe think in tweets already or something like if you read my writing i've like gotten feedback that's like both very poetic or something and like poems are like short or something it's like very stanza or something which is kind of how twitter works also right like if you and I think if you like looked at the formatting of like some of my writing, you would see that it's like very Twitter-like or something in some sense. Uh, but like, there's no character limit, um, and so like maybe this is just the sort of thing you're experiencing or something, or maybe it's more intense. Yeah, um, probably not exactly. I mean, like honestly, I don't think this is that big of a deal. Um, uh, I mean, one thing is I've definitely. I think this is a causal effect have like blogged less and and i think like not it's like not a direct replacement like i think um scooter's been like an outlet for my ideas that that actually mm-hmm. feels like less effortful and like less yeah. takes less like so so it's not like a one-for-one thing so like other like work more worky like things have like filled in the gap for blogging but i think it has been a causal reason in like that i haven't blogged as much as i would mm-hmm. like to slash would like really would like have to or, or something so, so yeah i can see that being a thing that is like um yeah. like ideas you know like people just don't it's like uh there's like no strong signal that a particular tweet is like serious like oh like an important idea that's like worth considering whereas like if you've written a whole blog post on it and you have 200 mm-hmm. subscribers or whatever it's like you've you put in a lot of effort like people are at least gonna say like oh this is me like at least plausibly like an important idea like when they're coming into it or something like that yeah yeah and like if you think something's valuable or something uh, i'd mean maybe this is different for you or something but i get like three likes on all my tweets like it's very rare i get one like <laughs> 10 likes or something like <laughs> as the number of followers grows like it's just stuck there now here uh sarah woodhouse and i talk about how she got into uh the field of ai safety um uh you know starting from concerns about job automation um, and how this led her to be a Twitter influencer. Yeah. But, uh, but like, regardless, um, uh, yes. So, um, Sarah, uh, as Pigeon Hour guest, uh, how did you learn? How did you, what was your path through life to AI safety Twitter? <laughs> 
Well, um, I I realized that like a chatbot could very easily do my job and that like my employers either hadn't noticed this or like they had noticed, but they were just like being polite about it and they didn't want to fire me because they're too nice. Um, and I was like, oh, I should find out what like AI development is going to be like over the next like X number of years so that I know if I should like go and get good at some other stuff. Um, and I was like, I'll just have a little innocent Google. And then I had, you know, I just like within a few clicks, I'd like completely like doom pilled myself. And I was like, oh shit, we're all gonna die. Um, I think I found no, so when I went, I found Jeffrey Hinton because he was like on the news at the time because he'd just quit his job at Google. And he was there being like saying things that sounded very like uncertain, very like alarming. And I was like, well, he surely, I was like, he's probably the pessimist, but like I'm I'm sure that there are loads of optimists to like you know counteract that because that's how it usually goes you know like you find like a doomer and then you find like a bunch of like more moderate people and then you find like there's like some consensus in the middle that everyone's kind of come to that like everything's basically fine i was like if i just keep looking i'll find the consensus because like it's there like i'm sure it's there so i just like kept looking and looking and looking for it like i looked for it for like (laughs) weeks i just like didn't find it and then i was like oh nobody knows what's going on like this seems really bad um and I was like, so then I started lurking on Twitter and then I was like, I got like familiar with all the different names, like all the different accounts, you know, whatever. And then at some point I was like, I'm going to start contributing to this conversation. But I didn't think that anybody would like talk back to me. And then at some point they started talking back to me and I was like, okay, this is kind of weird. And then at some point, yeah, at some point I like, <laughs> at some point I was having like an existential crisis and I had like a couple of glasses of wine or something. And I just decided to type this like big long thread and then I like went to bed and I woke up the next morning and I was like slightly grouchy and ha- hung over and I like checked, checked, my, <laughs> checked my phone and there were like all these people messaging me and like all these people like replying to my thread being like this is so relatable this really resonated with me blah 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 and nice. I was like what is going on and you, then, were, you weren't you weren't there on a on Twitter before that thread I'm pretty sure I was following you I think I, so like, I, was, like I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there before, but like, no, I, no one ever really gave me any attention prior to oh, that. Right. Well, they did it, but I think I had like a couple of, I think I had a couple of tweets that blew up before that, nice. but like not to the same extent. So, and then after that, I think I was like, I was like, okay, so now, now I have like an audience. When I say an audience, like obviously a small one, but more of an audience than I've ever had before in my life. And I was like, how far can I take this? Like, what, 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 like, I was a bit like, people obviously started following me because I'm like freaking out about AI, but like, if I like post an outfit, what's going to happen? <laughs> it's like, it's just like, how far can I push this? <laughs> no, I just like, started posting like these fit checks and I started posting like random shit about like stuff that was completely unrelated. And I was like, oh, people are kind of here for this too. Okay, this is weird. <laughs> So now I'm just milking it for all it's worth. And I, I really don't know why anybody's <laughs> listening to me. And like, I'm, I'm basically very confused about the whole thing. <laughs> I mean, I, I like, um, I mean, I, yeah, I think it's like kind of weird, weird from your perspective, or it's like weird from, in general, because like there aren't that many people who just like do that extremely like logical thing, like at the beginning of just like, um, I don't know, like, like maybe it's like not obvious to people in like every industry or whatever. Like AI is like potentially uh, like a big deal, but like there's lots of yeah, especially like truckers or whatever. Like hmm, maybe they're like not the best demographic to like or the most conducive demographic to like getting on Twitter or whatever. But like there's other jobs that like you know 
like it would like make sense to, like look like, to like look into that and like it's sometimes it's like kind of weird to me that like you know only like a few only like you followed the rabbit hole like all the way down as far as i, I know, know. People. this is what but i don't like, get this either because it's like not that hard to complete the circle like it probably took me like a day it took me like an afternoon to get from like i'm worried about job aut automation to like i should stop saving for retirement like it like didn't take <laughs> me that long do you know what i mean like and that's pretty no wild. one ever no one ever no one ever looks i literally don't get it i was like talking to some people like i was talking to one of my co-workers about this the other day and um i think i just, like came up in conversation she was like yeah like i'm a bit worried about ai because i heard on the radio that like i don't know like taxi drivers might be out of a job like that's bad <laughs> and i was like uh, yeah that is bad but like do you know what else <laughs> And she was like, what are, yeah. what are the AI companies up to that we don't know about? And I was like, I mean, you can like go on their website. Like you can just go on their website and read about how they think that their technology is an extinction risk. Like it's not like they're hiding it. It's literally just on there and no one ever looks. It's just crazy. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I honestly, like, I, I don't even know if I was in your situation. Like if I would have done that, it's like, in some sense, it's like, like, I am surprised, like very few people, maybe like one. But like, at another level, it's like more like rationality than like most humans have or something like, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you regret doing going down that rabbit hole? Yeah, kind of. Oh, oh shit. Although I, I, I'm, I'm enjoying like the Twitter thing and like it's kind of fun. And like, there's, it turns out there's like endless comedic material that you can get out of like, <laughs> impending doom like the whole thing is like quite funny it's not funny but like you can make it funny like if you try hard enough um but like yeah i think um what was i gonna say i think i think maybe like i was like more primed for like doom pilling than your average person because i like already knew what ea was and i like already knew like you know what i mean like that stuff was like on my radar yeah oh, okay okay that's interesting. i think had it had it like not been on my radar i don't think i would have like followed the pipeline all the way um <laughs> yeah but even I, I, then, I, don't know what, like... I don't know what browser you use but like it would be and like you should definitely not like only do this if you like actually think it's like would be cool or whatever but like there could be like a like your browser history like from that day and that would be like hilarious and whatever you could like you know, move, remove anything you didn't want to show or whatever but like i'm sure you know if it's like google chrome like there might be like a feel like at they like package everything into like sessions. It's like one one browsing session, and it'll have like ten thousand links or whatever. As you like, uh, yeah. Down no, I think for, for like totally great. non non sketchy reasons, I delete my Google history more regularly than that. <laughs> 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 I don't think, I don't think I'd be able to find that, but I can remember. I can remember the day, and I can remember like oh, I can wow. remember okay. like my anxiety levels just going up and up and up, like somewhere between like i don't know like 1 p.m and 7 p.m and by the evening i'm like oh my god <laughs> oh damn that's wild um it was really stressful yeah 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 um no i also um hmm. yeah 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 like it hmm. i don't i don't know like i guess props for <laughs> i don't know if props is the right word it's like very yeah i'm, I'm like i guess impressed slash like <laughs> Flash. I'm actually, I'm actually somewhat surprised to hear you. You said you regret it. I mean, that sucks, though. Like, I guess I'm sorry. Like, I mean, case. would you, if you, if you could, like, unknow this, would you, would you? Um, no, because I think like it's like worth, like, maybe selfishly, but like not overall, because like 
Okay. Yeah, I think I think that would like plausibly be the selfish thing to do. Actually, yeah. No, no, no. Actually, actually, hold on. No, I actually don't think that's true. I actually think there's like enough, um, like a person can, like an individual can do selfishly, such that it like makes sense. Um, yeah, even I mean, like, I guess it, for, like the emotional turmoil. <laughs> it would depend how much you thought that you like were going to personally move the needle by knowing about it. Like, I personally don't think that I'm going to be able to do very much. <laughs> I mean, if like, I thought very... that I was going to tip the scales, I wouldn't selfishly unknow it and sacrifice the world. But, you know, me being not particularly informed or intelligent and not having any power, <laughs> I feel like if I forgot that AI was going to end the world, it would not make much difference. You know what I mean? No, I, I, I mean, <laughs> like, I, I agree that it's like, yes, it is unlikely for either of us to, like, tip the scales. But, like, you know, this that... Um, I'm speaking for myself. The, Maybe you can. There's like I'm not some you can't. No, you no, no. Actually, like in terms of, hmm, I well, like yeah, I'm like probably like somewhat more technically knowledgeable, just like based on what I know about. Yeah, you. Maybe I'm wrong, but like, um, no, you're definitely uh, right. That's that's correct. No, but like yeah. I, um, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's sort of just like a probabilities thing. Like, uh, I mean, sort of, I, I do think like the doom, like that word is like, you know, too simplified in like some, yeah, for like. It's like often like too simple to like capture what like what people really care about. But like if you just want to say like oh like doom versus no doom or whatever AI doom versus no AI doom, um you know maybe there's like a one one like a hundred thousand chance that like one of us tips the scales and like that's important. <laughs> like maybe even like one in ten thousand, probably not, probably not me. One in um, ten thousand, wow. And for our last segment, um this uh is a segment of uh, Sarah um from the previous segments uh new podcast called uh, Consistently Candid, excellent name. And basically, uh, Max Alexander and I uh, are debating moral realism or, or something like that, as you'll see, um, with Sarah being the moderator and judge. Yeah. Okay, Max, do you want to go first or second? Uh, I'll go second. Okay. okay. Well, the Good first luck. thing is that the thing I always say is that I simply defer to uh, Sharon, Sharon something, uh, Rowlett, who was on the 80,000 Hours podcast, they had a whole podcast episode about this, and she's an actual philosopher who made the actual case for this. And so everything I say is just basically like, like the, the actual case, you just listen to her. Um, uh, <laughs> and so, well, I guess one thing is that like, okay, what's the base rate of people being correct, given that they're on the 80,000 Hours podcast? Pretty high, probably like ninety nine percent. I don't know if that's right. Actually. Not that. Has but, no one ever been on the eighty thousand hours I mean, podcast and argued the opposite? Sam Bankman Freed was on the eighty thousand hours podcast. Oh yeah, that's okay, true. Fine. That was embarrassing. Well, well that's why I said ninety nine percent, not hundred percent. Oh yeah, that was their one episode. <laughs> there was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything else. Um, wait, I'm sorry. I'm, just, I'm like mostly joking about that, but yeah, um, but like no, no, I am like serious. Like, I, like I'm pointing. Like, I should uh. Yeah, hope maybe maybe I'll like find a way that like reference the URL like in the show description or something, or just like Google <laughs> like moral realism. Okay, so like yeah, so uh, first of all, like my my actual point of view is like kind of a weak version of moral realism, which is like um, uh, that um, so true like truly normative statements along the lines of um. Yeah, like you, like a person, like should or yeah, like you should do X or Y. Like I don't actually don't think those are like objectively true or false. What I do think is like sometimes, sometimes at least sometimes objectively true or false, are statements like along the lines of like compare, like objectively ordering like worlds or actions. So saying like, um, uh, um, 
yeah, like like it would be uh like world A is objectively better than world B. And like the most intuitive one that I can like gesture to, which I think is actually like a good sort of argument or like maybe uh intuition pump, I guess, like in favor of my point of view. It's just like, okay, so you have like one world and then another world which is exactly the same, except it also creates a person who's like feeling a lot of pain. And that's the only difference. And I want to say that like this world is objectively worse. And the reason why it's objectively worse is just because like it is like built into like both sort of semantically the meaning of like what would we say like pain or suffering, but like also not not I mean like that's like true, but like another perspective on this is just like uh it is just yeah, it's sort of like a root fact of like the universe in the same way that like facts about physics are that like suffering and pain is like are are bad. Um and so like if you just like add uh, some yeah some of this bad stuff or on the other side like add add, add some like objectively good stuff you get like an objectively better state of the world um and so like i will leave it there for max to tell me why i'm wrong all right uh well okay Ooh, so, can i can i ask a question first or and sorry, yeah if, go if ahead. max you want to go um how do i phrase this so like <laughs> sorry i'm just clarifying so you're basically saying that there's no you can't make truth claims about what people ought to do but you can about which like states of affairs are better or worse than others but if you yes. can definitely say like this circumstance is better than this one objectively speaking then like if you could have if you could find some way of empirically determining like which actions brought about more pleasure or pain even if i mean maybe maybe we can never actually determine which actions would do that but say if you could then would those things not be like would you not be able to make a claim about what you should do? I think you can make a claim. In fact, I probably, I think that I actually would make the claim, but then I wouldn't, what I wouldn't be able to say, at least like what I currently think is that like those wouldn't be objectively true or false in the same way. So I, I don't get how like, it can I'm be like, like, I'm like less sure about this for what it's worth. I'm like less. How, not like how can it be like objectively the case that, one situation could be better than the other but it's not objectively true that you should do the thing that is most likely to bring about the better one no no th this like, is a good question i actually just had this debate on twitter um sort of okay uh I, although i think the person ended up agreeing with me but but uh, <laughs> um so like one thing is like I, I think some people um just like have the sense like those two statements are basically just like saying the same are just like rewording of the same thing and like that's like just not my sense but like maybe I'm the only, maybe I'm the weird one, and everybody else is just, yeah, has the sense that like you know, yeah, when they say like oh X is better than Y, I'm like then, and, and the statement like oh you should act so as to bring about X, that um that these are just like exactly the same things, just reworded. Is that your sense? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think they're exactly the same thing, but well, actually no, I kind of do. I don't, I don't really understand <laughs> how it can be true that X is better than Y, and at the same time, it's not true that you should try and make x happen i mean like yeah so so like there is like if, if they're not like some like they're not like don't mean the exact same thing then um uh then there's the question of like okay so if you've established one um okay like like what else do you need to get to the other one and all right that's it thank you so much to um all my uh guests um and if you're listening to this like there's like a 99% chance that you are invited as a guest. Um, it's just a matter of me working my way through uh, some people who <laughs> I'm being unnecessarily slow with. Um, 
uh, yeah, thanks so much for listening. And yeah, you know where to find me. Uh, if you're listening to this, you almost certainly know where to find me. <laughs> Take care.